John chapter 14, and my text this evening is found in verse 27, and we'll read it again together. This is the Saviour himself. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's all pray together. Our gracious God and eternal Father in heaven, we come before thee right now and we ask, Lord, that you would indeed especially cleanse me, Lord, of sin and of self. Lord, that you would take away any hindrances, Lord, from myself that would hinder me, Lord, to speak thy word this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would take away the fear of man and that you would fill me afresh with the spirit of the one and true living God. I pray, Lord, for the congregation as a whole, Lord, that you would give them listening ears and an understanding heart. We pray, Lord, for perhaps those that's still outside the family and fold of God, maybe even someone listening online. We pray, Lord, that by thy voice that you would draw sinners to thyself. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who gives everlasting, eternal life. Lord, we realize and acknowledge that this world can offer many, many things, but the end result is emptiness and barrenness. But we thank and praise thee tonight. We come to the one who offers that living water. He that cometh to me shall never thirst. We think of that verse, Lord, and the gospel of Matthew. Blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We thank you and praise thee for the believer tonight that we're filled with the things of God. But, O oh God, the unbeliever has nothing but emptiness and barrenness in their own heart. We pray, Lord, that it would be a change tonight and that they would come to know the fullness of Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ was coming to the end of his earthly ministry. And of course, what a ministry it was. He made the lame to walk, the blind to see, made the deaf to hear. He cast demons out of people. He healed lepers, raised Lazarus from the dead, fed the 5,000. He calmed the storm. And he walked in water, and that's only to mention a few of the miracles of what Christ performed during his earthly ministry. But here in John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking to his disciples in a loving, a calming, and a reassuring manner. You see, he was going to be arrested after being betrayed by Judas in the Garden of Gethsemane. And of course that led to Peter denying knowing the Lord, to being a follower of Christ. Jesus' arrest, which obviously took place here, was soon followed by his death on the cross. Yet despite the Saviour knowing that he had this ahead of him, he wanted to reassure his disciples that even with his death on the cross, that he would not leave them alone. John 14 and 26 says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And we thank God tonight that the believer has something that an unsaved person doesn't have. You'll say, Matthew, what's that? Well, we have the Comforter. We have the Holy Ghost abiding within us and we praise and thank God for that so that whenever we sin whenever we do wrong 
along comes the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, the Holy Spirit will lead and engage and direct us. As we talked about this morning in Proverbs, the Lord will direct and guide us in our lives. And this is what we need is direction and guidance in our Christian walk. No matter what life experience we're facing, good or bad, Christ is with us. Though imagine how these disciples would have felt. Well, our answer is found here in our text. The Bible says that they had troubled hearts. You see, everything in these disciples' lives were about to change. They were going to lose their teacher. They were going to lose their master. They were going to lose a friend. They were going to lose his presence. They were going to lose his leadership. I think it's fair to say with those brief few comments that Jesus had such a huge part of these men's lives. Their emotions were all over the place. And that's something we can identify with as our emotions. Us as people, saved or unsaved, our emotions, truth be told, are all over the place at times. We're up, we're down, we're outside, we're inside, we're left, we're right. Sometimes we're all over the place. As the saying goes, we don't know where we're coming or going. Well, these disciples were experiencing exactly the same feelings. Their emotions were all over the place. They were full of sadness. They were full of worry. They were full of anxiety. And they were full of fear. And again, this is something we, we can relate to. We've experienced anxiety in our lives. We've experienced fear. And we have experienced a real loneliness in our life's walk. This is a reminder to the believer tonight that no matter our feelings, our circumstances, our trials and our difficulties, praise the Lord, we are never, ever alone. Even though we might feel that way, but praise God, we have the comforter. We have the Lord Jesus Christ abiding in our hearts and in our lives. And that is something as God's people that we should be absolutely thrilled about this evening. We are on the victory side. Secondly, it's another reminder, another message to the unbeliever that God's people, us as Christians, we are not exempt from the trials and troubles of this world. In fact, I oftentimes relate to Noah and the ark. Well, the Lord didn't exempt him and his family from the flood. But no, rather they went through the flood. They went through that storm in their life. In other words, us as believers... Even though we might go through trials and storms, not maybe, it's not a matter of if, it's when we go through these hard times. No matter what storm we are facing this evening, this week that lies ahead, even this year of 2023 that lies ahead, the Lord will be with us. It's a bit like somebody saying that they have maybe lost a loved one in death. Perhaps this is an unbeliever that maybe thinks this is about a believer. And they would turn around and say about a believer perhaps that has lost someone that's near and dear to them and say... I wonder how that person gets through that. I can tell you why they get through it. Because they had the Lord with them. Yes, we suffer heartache. Yes, we suffer pain. But praise God, we have the Lord that is with us, even in our darkest day when we need him the most. John 16, in the verse 33, says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. And listen to this. In the world... You shall have tribulation. You shall have tribulation. Not you might have tribulation. 
ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Praise God, I have overcome the world. You see, the difference is with the believer, we have the peace of God. And the only reason why we have the peace of God is because we are at peace with God. How? It's very simple. By simply putting our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done on behalf for our sin. Therefore, in saying that, even though this verse is clearly for the believer, if I'm allowed to, I would like to take it slightly out of context this evening. My thoughts turn towards, turn towards the unsaved tonight. For people that still hasn't got an anchor for their soul. For people who are still out in the mountains, wild and bare. For people who are still finding pleasures in sin, but only for a season. Because if you're in this meeting without Christ, I don't know if I'm telling you something that you already know, but you have a troubled heart. You have no real genuine peace or long-lasting contentment in your heart and in your life. And let me tell you something, you never will until you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have that massive void in your life that only Christ can satisfy. There's many, many things that the world can offer us, but it is only pleasurable, but for a season. It's not everlasting, it's not eternal. The believer, even though trouble can and will come into our lives, we have the Lord. But an unsaved person, who do they have? Coming back to our text, the Lord says at the end of verse 27, Let not your heart be troubled. So tonight I want to share a few thoughts about the heart. And I haven't done this intentionally, but you'll notice there has been a bit of a trend today, and that is that we've been talking about the heart. And as we mentioned about the heart this morning, whenever the, the scriptures talk about the heart, it's not actually talking about this organ that plumps blood around your body. Indeed, it is talking about our meditator. Our heart is where we do our thinking. It's what we feel. It's what we think. And it's what we want. It's where we do our meditations. For as a man in his heart, or for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And there's many, many verses that we related to this morning regarding the heart and meditations to the heart. But the first thing I want to think about, and I want to look at it under three simple headings about the heart. And first of all, that is the problem with the heart. The problem with the heart. You see, many tonight have troubled hearts. But the good news is tonight that God is interested in troubled hearts. Before I get saved, I was a very troubled person. But praise God, tonight I can stand here and say I no longer have a troubled heart. Yes, I may have trials. I may have difficulties. I may have storms. But I no longer have a troubled heart. Why? Because I know the peace of God. Because I am at peace with God. And I trust that you can say the same tonight. Every one of us here in this building and outside these walls encounter and experience many problems in our lives. Perhaps I'm talking to somebody and it could be a family issue. It could maybe be a relationship. It could maybe be friends, our jobs, our finances, dealing with people. As the saying goes, where there's people, there's problems. Issues with vehicles, car trouble, health physically, health mentally, wayward children, and of course not forgetting about the young people as well. You also have many troubles that will come into your life. 
maybe that high school that you're maybe thinking about going to, it's a big, big thing for children, isn't it? You're maybe thinking about a career path that you're going to choose, maybe what university you're going to go to. These are all very, very important big things in a young person's life. And parents know that also about your children. These are all problems that we experience in life. And the list goes on of the different problems that we can face and will face in our lifetime. And this is something that we can all relate to, is different problems. But there is one main problem that we all have in, pro- that we all have in common. And one that we cannot get away from or deny. And do you want to know what it is in case you maybe haven't already guessed it? Well, it is our problem with sin. It's our problem with sin. Although our problems in life can vary individually and personally, the problem of sin is one that every one of us is tarred with the same brush. We are all the same. No difference in us whatsoever. Doesn't matter about the drug addict, the alcoholic, the liar, the cheater, the stealer, the thief, the immoral person. It's all tarred under the same brush. Sin is sin. The Bible tells me that we are all sinners and that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And in that sense, we all have the same identity in regards to our sin. How did this problem come about? In the first place, well, it goes back to the beginning of creation. I'll read a verse to you, isn't it? It's in Genesis chapter 1 and the verse 31. It's a very well-known passage of Scripture. Genesis 1 and the verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And behold, it was very good. Therefore, in other words, before sin entered into this world, everything was perfect. Everything was beautiful. Everything was well made. There was no death. There was no sickness. There was no sorrow. There was no tears. But what happened? What is this problem that we've encountered that we cannot escape? What was the root of it? Well, of course, it all goes back to the, the, the creation story. Adam and Eve took of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And after getting strict and clear instruction from God, what happened? What did they do? Well, they were tricked. They were lied to. They were even led to believe that it was okay. By who? Of course, Satan himself. And from that moment, the world has never been, and it will never be, the same again. The same again. It's fair to say that we live in a messed up, a broken, and a fallen world. Why? Because of sin. Many ask tonight, why is this? And people will have every other conspiracy. They'll have every other answer under the sun. Scientists will tell you different. Anybody will tell you different. But they'll escape the problem of their sin. They don't want to know. Every answer will be given to the problem of why the world, or our, our little country of Ulster, is in such a mess. And I'll tell you one word why it's in a mess. It's because of sin. Adam and Eve were tricked, they were blinded, and they were made to believe that nothing would happen to them. Their choice that they made that day in the Garden of Eden, the exact same situation people find themselves in today with the attitude of live life to the full, eat, drink, and be merry, plan for the future, plan for the next big holiday, live in the high life, but yet not one thought of eternity. It sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? 
Where will their soul be when they leave this scene of time? Why is this? Well, the Bible tells me, And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine onto them. Who is the Apostle Paul referring to here at the church of Corinth? Of course, it's Satan himself. The truth is that the devil doesn't want you in this meeting tonight. He wants you to be anywhere apart from the house of God. He doesn't want you coming to the prayer meetings. He doesn't want you coming to public worship. He doesn't want your children going to Sunday school. He doesn't want your young people going to the youth. He doesn't want you having a mums and tots. Why? Because he knows his time is short. But praise God, he's a defeated foe. And he knows his time is short, and that's why he's at his work. Caught up in temporal and materialistic things, filling your mind full of lies, and ultimately telling yourself that you don't need Jesus. Friend, if that's the case with you tonight, the devil has you blinded. You need Jesus in your heart and your life as much as I did, and as much as all of us do. So we think about the problem of the heart. Secondly, I want to add and talk about the potential with the heart. You see, whenever a person comes to faith in Jesus, that person no longer has the heart problem that we just talked about. Yes, we're still sinners, but the difference is now we have seen our sinful state and we have came to the Lord and we have had her sin dealt with and paid in full. Our salvation is eternally secure. We are now sinners saved by the grace of God. You no longer have a separated heart from God, but rather you have the Saviour in your heart. Yes, we still have a sinful heart. We have a heart that struggles. We still have the problems. I quote what a preacher once said. I get irritated when I hear preachers say, come to Jesus and all your problems will be over. That's just simply a lie, unquote. You see, only if the Christian life was that easy. The difference is now that we can, we can now, like the disciples, rely and we can rest and depend upon the Holy Spirit when our hearts are troubled. We no longer have a troubled heart, rather we have a trusting heart. Whenever a person gets saved, an amazing change takes place in that life. That guilt and feeling of unrest leaves and it is replaced with knowing forgiveness and peace. You no longer have that void in your heart, but rather you have the fullness of joy. Knowing that no matter how bad your past was, no matter how bad my past were, no matter what you used to be, no matter what you used to do, it no longer matters why, because it's underneath the blood. You've had that personal interaction with Jesus. Philippians 1 and verse 6, it's one of my favourite verses. Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, whenever God saves you, he starts a work in your life and he will finish it. We all know we are far from perfect and we never will be until we get to heaven. What potential there is in this church alone tonight and to think what God could do with us lot here. We've got Thomas and Noel that's in the mission field. Mr. McLeod, Mr. Wilson is here this morning. But I want you to think and to grasp, especially with your children, parents, you think of the potential that is in this room. You think of the Joshua's, you think of the Naomi's, you think of the Lydia's, you think of the mighty men and women of God that your children could be. 
I want you to grasp and think about that there. And pray that the Lord would raise up a Joshua and a Lydia here in your church and all along. I wonder if you ever said, God, do your work in my heart and life. Take me and use me to my full potential in every way you can. I'm here, Lord. Start the work in me. Think about it. If you come to Christ, he can start a work in your life that absolutely nobody else can do. He has ready for you tonight forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven, purpose in life, new beginnings, a future, a plan, guilt removed, a new heart, new desires, new friends. This is an opportunity not to be missed, yet many miss it. If you haven't yet found Jesus in your life, you're not living to your full potential. The Lord Jesus Christ has a new life awaiting for the unbeliever and he's standing at the door of your heart waiting for you to let, let him in. The question is tonight, will you let him into your heart? Will you break down that hardened heart that you have and let the Saviour in? Because he is knocking and he is calling for you, waiting for you to let him in. You see, he will never force his way into your life. You have to come to him. Revelation 3 and 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him. We think of the potential. You think of an old derelict building. You think of an old farm building out in the country where you are from. And you see that it's derelict. It's got ivy and it's got briars and there's no windows in it and whatnot. But then an investor comes in and throws a lot of money at it. And it changes and it transforms. And you see that place a couple of years later. And you think of the amazing change that takes place. You think of the potential that that place had. And you look back and you say to yourself, I mean that place whenever that place was a wreck. And now look at it now. That's exactly what Christ can do with the life. He changes you. You have a potential. Lastly, as I close, my time is almost gone. I will be quick. We have the peace within your heart. You see, the truth and reality is you'll never know the peace of God until you are at peace with God. You'll maybe say this, well, it's because you have a separated heart because of the sin in your heart. Not only have you a heart that is separated from God, but you have a heart that struggles. This is your problem that keeps you from knowing that you have the peace of God. What do I need? Well, you need the Savior in your heart. Our text says in John 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. This is an exclusive peace. It's an everlasting peace. Why is that? Because it comes from God. It's not the peace that the world has to offer. You see, there are two types of people here tonight. And very simply, you're either saved or you're either lost. There's no other way to put it. Saved from your sin or you're still lost in it. Tonight, would you consider the problem of your heart? And can you see the potential in your heart? And lastly, have you got the peace? You either have the peace of God or you have the so-called peace of this world. I ask that you would choose wisely tonight. I know what I want and I know what I have of the peace of God in my heart. And I trust 